Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know I have a free on-demand masterclass called Five Steps to Writing a Novel Without Letting Perfectionism or Procrastination Get in the Way. In this free training, I cover things like where perfectionism comes from, how it's directly linked to procrastination, and what you can do right now to start making real progress with your writing. I also talk about the problem with popular plotting methods and how they can do more harm than good, especially if you're brand new to writing. And last but certainly not least, I share some of the most common mistakes I see writers make so you can avoid them and make this the year you finish your novel. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up for free at savannagilbo.com forward slash training. One more time, that's savannagilbo.com forward slash training to get your hands on this free masterclass. This special talent or gift is how the reader gets to feel special by proxy. So they get to feel special because your protagonist pretty much becomes the reader's avatar for experiencing the story. And the flip side of this talent or gift is how we writers can create conflict and make our protagonist more relatable. So no matter how you present it, all action protagonists have something in common. They have the potential for heroism and the courage to sacrifice for others. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the conventions of the action genre. So these are the character roles, settings, and events that need to be present in an action story in order for it to work and to satisfy fans of the genre. I'm also going to show you how these genre conventions show up in the movie The Hunger Games. So if you're writing an action story, this episode is for you. And if you're not, don't worry because I've covered a lot of the other genres already and I'm going to cover each of the other genres very soon. Now, before we dive in, let's quickly talk about what makes an action story or what makes the action genre unique. Action stories are all about life and death and good versus evil. They're about a character who has to rise up, overcome great obstacles, defeat forces of evil, and maybe even save the world. But all of that being said, these stories aren't always about superheroes. In fact, the protagonist of an action story is usually someone who is like us, but different. So they're special or unique in some way, and because of that, they're often misunderstood by the rest of society. And that's what makes this genre so relatable, because even if we don't have magical powers or special abilities or an unwavering faith in a certain mission or destiny, we've all experienced the curse of feeling different or being misunderstood. And this is where action stories come in. They show us how we can not only embrace the things that make us different, but how we can use those things to fight against the evil forces in our own lives. They show us how we have the power to be the hero of our own story and to make a difference in the world. And this is why people choose to read action stories. They want to feel all of this and they want to experience the excitement of life and death stakes and situations that the protagonist is presented with. But it's not just about that. So like I said earlier, we choose these stories because they inspire us to become the best versions of ourselves as well. These stories show us how even a character destined for greatness has problems and that their problems aren't too different from our own. I mean, how many of us have had fantasies about being special or about rising up and proving that we're better than our peers or better than those who try to keep us down? I mean, I know I have and I'm sure you have too. 
So it's that plus the good versus evil dichotomy that reassures us that if we keep at it, if we embrace our unique gifts or talents, we know that good will eventually prevail despite all the danger. And like all genre fiction, you have to deliver the emotional experience readers are looking for if you want your story to work. So to deliver this emotional experience, you need to include the obligatory scenes and conventions of your genre in your novel. And in case you've never heard this term genre conventions before, basically they're the character roles, settings, and micro events that are specific to a genre. So they're what help us writers write a story that works. And then when coupled with your genre's obligatory scenes, they help us evoke emotional reactions in our readers. So now let's take a look at what these action genre conventions are and how they show up in the movie, The Hunger Games. And if you're wondering why I'm going to walk you through these conventions in a movie, it's just because movies require less of a time investment. And I'm hoping that you've either seen or read The Hunger Games or that at the very least you'll watch the movie after listening to this episode to help cement these genre conventions in your mind. So of course you can and you should study these conventions in your favorite action novels, but for today we're going to look at them in a movie. And as I go through these conventions, I want you to consider why each of these roles or settings or micro events would need to be in an action story or what purpose they serve in the overall narrative. My hope is that you'll notice each of these conventions has a really specific reason why it needs to be there. And because of that, you can then use these conventions plus the obligatory scenes of the action genre to help you craft an outline or a first draft of a story that works. So let's go ahead and dive in. Convention number one is that the protagonist has a special talent or gift and the potential for heroism. And this gift can be something like the ability to wield magic, a mission to do good, a strong resolve, an impenetrable faith, loyalty to friends, or anything like that. And although this gift or talent may seem fun at first, there's always a flip side that the antagonist might try to exploit. So for example, the antagonist might capture or harm the protagonist's love interest or their best friend if one of the protagonist's strengths are an unwavering loyalty. The antagonist might also somehow use the protagonist's magic against them or find a way to dampen their magic. So for example, Superman has kryptonite, Dracula can't be in daylight, Tony Stark has a battery-powered chest, things like that. This special talent or gift is how the reader gets to feel special by proxy. So they get to feel special because your protagonist pretty much becomes the reader's avatar for experiencing the story. And the flip side of this talent or gift is how we writers can create conflict and make our protagonist more relatable. So no matter how you present it, all action protagonists have something in common. They have the potential for heroism and the courage to sacrifice for others. Let's take a look at how this shows up in The Hunger Games. So in The Hunger Games, Katniss is an excellent shot with a bow and arrow. She also has a strong desire to protect people who aren't as strong or as skilled as she is. Both of these things help her in the arena, but they also work to her disadvantage sometimes. If she loses her bow and arrow, what other skills would she compensate for that with? And when the game makers blast sounds of Prim screaming for Katniss or when Rue dies, we see Katniss's resolve and ability to focus slip. But all that being said, Katniss definitely has the potential for heroism. I mean, she volunteers to be a tribute in Prim's place in the very beginning, and she has been sacrificing herself for others ever since her father died. So she definitely fits the bill of this convention. 
Convention number two is that the protagonist's goal is to stop the antagonist and save victims. So although the protagonist will face danger, be put in extreme situations, and be forced to take risks, they cannot stand by and let the antagonist get away with harming others. The antagonist has created conflict by endangering the victim or the victims, which causes a new goal to arise within the protagonist. So their goal becomes to stop the antagonist and save the victim or victims. And in most cases, the protagonist's journey to stop the antagonist and save the victim is what will take them from their familiar everyday surroundings to a new unfamiliar environment. So this is true whether your story takes place in real life or in a made-up fantasy or sci-fi world. Being in a strange land or a new and unknown environment will create more significant risks and challenges for the protagonist to face, increasing the tension and helping them grow. So as an example, we can look at The Hunger Games. In The Hunger Games, Katniss leaves the impoverished District 12 and ventures into the colorful capital. Katniss not only has to navigate a new environment in the capital, but she has a new set of politics and an arena where 11 other people are trying to kill her too. So that definitely fits with convention number two. Convention number three is that there are multiple lives at stake, including the protagonist. So in an action story, there has to be more than one life at stake, including your protagonist's life at some point. As the protagonist gets closer to confronting the antagonist, the threat to their life must escalate in severity. So whatever they're trying to do or accomplish is going to force them to make decisions that put their lives or the lives of others at risk. And this is one of the main differences between the action and society stories if both are about rebellion and power changing hands. So just keep that in mind if you're wavering between the two. As an example, we can look at the Hunger Games and Katniss's life and safety are definitely threatened when she volunteers as tribute. This escalates in severity once she gets into the arena and as more and more tributes are picked off. She also knows that to survive, she is going to have to kill other tributes. So this one definitely fits convention number three as well. Convention number four is that the antagonist is stronger and or more powerful than the protagonist. So the action antagonist is very smart, very strong, and or very powerful, and much more so than the protagonist. And the reason for this is because we want to create that large power divide that forces the protagonist to learn, grow, and change to become someone capable of surviving a confrontation with the antagonist. So whatever ordinary measures the protagonist would take to solve their problems or to go up against the antagonist are not going to work. First, they have to learn, grow, and change and become that person that can defeat the antagonist in the very end. So in The Hunger Games, Katniss comes from the weakest, most impoverished district possible. Not only that, but she's an average civilian, and President Snow is the president. Once she gets to the capital, she learns that some of the tributes have been training their whole lives to fight in the arena, so she's at a disadvantage there as well. And then finally, when she gets in the arena, the odds are definitely not in her favor because everything has been stacked against these tributes and basically has been designed to help kill them. So this one definitely fits as well. Convention number five is that the protagonist has a moral compass that the antagonist does not. So the action antagonist can usually embrace evil and therefore feels no shame and has no boundaries when it comes to pursuing their goals. They go about their business without noticing the harm that they're inflicting on others. And sometimes the antagonist is so corrupt that they believe they're doing the right thing or that the ends justify the means. 
In contrast, the action protagonist is willing to sacrifice themselves for the good of others. So this conflict and the protagonist's willingness to sacrifice for others is what helps readers relate to what's happening in the story, because they too want to stand up to evil and see good win. Leaning into this moral code or this moral compass is also how the protagonist transforms from an ordinary person into a hero and the only one who will stand up to the antagonist. So as an example, we can look at the Hunger Games, and it's pretty obvious that Katniss disagrees with what President Snow and the game makers are doing. They're making kids fight in an arena and televising it as prime entertainment. And as readers, we can't help but empathize with Katniss and root for her because we understand how terrible President Snow and the game makers actually are. This whole situation is super unfair, and it's so evil that Katniss cannot just stand by and watch it happen. So this is how convention number five shows up in that movie. Convention number six is that there's a speech in praise of the antagonist, and this is when a character talks about how brilliant, strong, and powerful the antagonist really is. Sometimes this is shown via a conversation between two characters, it can be shown through letters or a newspaper article, or it can be shown on TV during a news broadcast or anything like that. This could also happen in the form of a revelation where your protagonist pieces together bits of information that really shows just how smart, strong, or powerful the antagonist is. So in The Hunger Games, before the District 12 tributes are picked, we see the Capitals hype reel that talks about how wonderful everything is now that there's order amongst the districts and how thankful everyone should be to President Snow. Later, we hear President Snow tell Seneca Crane about why they allow one winner in the Hunger Games at all. So he uses hope as a tool to help him control the people throughout each of the districts. We also hear Hamish and Katniss's other mentors talk about the other tributes and their unique talents and abilities as well. So this one definitely fits the convention in multiple ways, which is great. Convention number seven is that there's a MacGuffin or a very specific thing the antagonist wants. So a MacGuffin is the specific thing that the antagonist is trying to get, accomplish, or achieve throughout the story. And there needs to be a plausible reason why they want this specific thing as well. Whatever happens during the story's inciting incident usually contains a clue about what the antagonist MacGuffin is. So as an example, in The Hunger Games, President Snow wants power and control. He wants to keep the people throughout the districts submissive. And part of the way he maintains this is through The Hunger Games each year. And this year, for the 74th annual Hunger Games, his specific goal is to put on a good show. And in doing so, he's going to keep the other districts in check, too. So this definitely meets the convention, a MacGuffin, or a very specific thing the antagonist wants. Convention number eight is that there are sidekicks who help the protagonist save the victim or victims. And the action protagonist can have one or multiple sidekicks. And these sidekicks can often act as confidants and they can sometimes even create conflict by opposing the protagonist's decisions and or by becoming victims themselves. They can also provide interpersonal conflict when the protagonist is not actively engaged in opposing the antagonist. Sidekicks can also act as heralds who remind the protagonist what's at stake and how dangerous everything is. They can be part of a friendship or romantic subplot too. So as an example, in The Hunger Games, Katniss's two main sidekicks are Peeta and Rue. Peeta also serves as Katniss's maybe love interest, and Rue also serves as an almost younger sister slash friend. So that convention is definitely met in this movie as well. Convention number nine is that there's at least one mentor figure who gives the protagonist guidance. 
A mentor is someone who gives the protagonist advice, help, guidance, tools, weapons, insight, or all of the above. They might help motivate the protagonist and encourage them to take the next steps forward for better or for worse as well. Sometimes the mentor has gone through something similar to the protagonist, or they may have a history with the antagonist. And in case you're wondering, multiple characters can definitely fit this convention of the mentor. So as an example, let's look at the Hunger Games. We know Katniss has Haymitch, Effie, and Seneca Crane to help her prepare for and survive the Hunger Games. So this movie definitely meets that convention as well. Convention number 10 is that there's a ticking clock that puts pressure on the protagonist. So there's a ticking clock or deadline by which the protagonist must stop the antagonist so that they can save the victim or victims. And this deadline and the stakes must be crystal clear to the protagonist and to the readers as early as possible. But in general, ticking clocks usually kick into gear at the midpoint or before. So as an example, in The Hunger Games, the ticking clock starts when Katniss enters the arena. Technically, there is no time limit on the games, but it's only a matter of time before she has to kill or be killed, because every other tribute is trying to be the last one standing. So that movie definitely meets the convention in a fun way. So there you have it. Those are the conventions of the action genre. And if you're thinking, okay, yes, those are all really obvious, Savannah, well, you would be surprised how many drafts I see that are missing these conventions or that don't include these conventions in a meaningful way. You might also be thinking, okay, well, these sound good, but I don't want to write a cliche or predictable story full of tropes. And if you are feeling that way, I'd encourage you to go listen to episode number 16. That's all about the difference between genre conventions and tropes. In a nutshell, including these genre conventions in your story is not going to make your story cliche or predictable in a bad way. They're just going to help you write a piece of genre fiction that works. And it's really the way you deliver these conventions that can fall into cliche territory if you don't put your unique spin on them. But again, you can learn more about that in episode number 16, which I will link to in the show notes for you. But now let's do a really quick recap of what those action genre conventions are. Convention number one is that the protagonist has a special talent or gift and the potential for heroism. Convention number two is the protagonist's goal is to stop the antagonist and save the victim or victims. Convention number three is that there are multiple lives at stake, including the protagonist. Convention number four is that the antagonist is strong and or more powerful than the protagonist. Convention number five is that the protagonist has a moral compass that the antagonist does not. Convention number six is that there's a speech in praise of the antagonist that shows how brilliant, strong, or powerful the antagonist is. Convention number seven is that there's a MacGuffin or a very specific thing the antagonist wants to get, accomplish, or achieve. Convention number eight is that there are sidekicks who help the protagonist save the victim or victims. Convention number nine is that there's at least one mentor figure who gives the protagonist advice, help, guidance, or tools, or all of the above. Convention number 10 is that there's a ticking clock that puts pressure on the protagonist. As a freebie for this episode, I created a cheat sheet that lists out each of these conventions as well as the obligatory scenes for the action genre. You can download that at savannagilbo.com forward slash action. And as a quick reminder, these are the elements that readers come to action stories for. They love them. And personally, I read a lot of action stories and I love seeing a protagonist who has a unique gift that the antagonist doesn't have. 
and even better when the gift is initially viewed as a curse and the protagonist has to overcome this and embrace it before finally defeating the antagonist. So if I read or watched an action story where the protagonist had no unique gift or the potential for heroism, I would be bummed and I would feel like something was missing. So long story short, try not to do that to your readers. Don't skip over these conventions or leave them out of your story. Instead, use them to help you flesh out and construct your story and then figure out a way to deliver these conventions in new and unexpected ways. If you do that, you're not only going to write a story that works, but you'll probably gain fans for life as well. And that's the dream, right? So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannagilbo.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.